What's up? It's Sharp here with the Kicked Out at Two Dynamite review for March 17th, 2021. We're talking St. Patrick's Day Slam, baby. And before we get into any of the matches, I just want to ask you guys, what did you think about the theme? Uh, do you think it, it mattered at all? Should they be doing any? <laughs> a little bit campy. A little bit campy, but I got to say, seeing Penta in the, uh, in the hat when he kept putting on like some random hat. I popped for that. I popped yeah. for that. Like a leprechaun luchador type deal. I mean, it's fun. I actually, but I think AEW does great when they have theme shows. So even if it's ridiculous, I'll still enjoy like their theme shows. I I liked it too. I just really wish they had done something on the stage. I really like set pieces and whatnot. So if they just had a big shamrock or something, do something to really mm. put everyone in green, which I liked, even though it was corny, but I was like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, something else. It's like the theme. It's so hard to be corny. Yeah. Not to go on. They like could have put. Time, but WWE used to have like really ornate sets that were specifically just for that. Like if it was backlash, sometimes they would have like a like a knife swinging or yeah, something. Like a pendulum. Yeah. yeah. They could have yeah, put someone those. through a shamrock table at some point. I mean, especially as like some of these matches went. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. for sure. <laughs> All right. So first thing we saw was MJF's new faction walk off a plane looking pretty dapper in their Ooh, suits. A private they, plane. <laughs> they know how to ride. <laughs> they did look good too i like the look of them all together. yeah presentation is key that was a great start presentation is key i agree and we had the first match we had a quick vignette of pentas translators saying that penta would break cody's arm send him on paternity leave then we had the match and i guess i mean didn't quite work out for penta uh 10 minutes <laughs> beat him with a roll-up after the match penta attacked cody's injured shoulder but the nightmare family ran him off the only one who was a little late was QT Marshall. And uh, again, teased dissension with him and the Nightmare family. Uh, like, this match was great in a sense of, like, these are the singles competitors that need to be kind of pushed. I want to say maybe great. I would say it's good from the get-go. Like, the, the, the big thing, what and this is what Cody does a lot, is he wants to make his, uh, like, adversaries, his competitors look very strong. I don't know if I would really agree with that. He like kind of did every finisher in the book and he would kick out and then he does a roll up and then pins him. It's a lot of people, like a lot of the old school wrestlers get really like, like give him a lot of flack for that or whatever. You're my only other tidbit, but like everyone does it. And I'm not sure if you guys were old school, like TNA fans with like Petey Williams, everyone does the Canadian destroyer, like in every match. Now it doesn't even matter like who you are. Like you can, like, everyone's like, okay, let's throw in a Canadian destroyer in there. So other than that, it was fine. I liked Penta and like um, looking strong here, but just kind of finished with the roll up. So I say it's a pretty good semi-decent match at the end though. I know they're trying, like, everyone's boys with, like, QT Marshall. I'm sure he's, like, great in the back or whatever. But, like, it's tough to find this backstory of, like, oh, like, I don't want QT to leave. Like, I don't know when he's there at times. Like, I, it's, like, I thought they were going to build him up as in, like, oh, okay, he's, like, kind of a side character in Nightmare Family. And then they're going to build him up. But now they're already turning him heel. I'm, like, you barely even got the ground running from the, from the get-go. Now, that was kind of, like, whatever to me. Yeah, as far as the match, I thought that, um, well, one, I like the match. One criticism I have is I don't think that Cody 
really acted like he had an injured shoulder at the right times. I think every now and then he would kind of gesture to it or whatever, but it wasn't uh, a consistent thing throughout the match. One thing that I did really like that I thought was consistent throughout the match was the fact that whenever Penta would do some of his more showy showmanship stuff, um, Cody would attack that. And that was something I noticed early on um, that went throughout and he ended up, I think, getting the roll up on like something similar or like he would attack on any anytime Penta would would try and like, you know, do the like fear is nothing uh, kind of stuff. Wait, is that right? What is it? No fear. Zero fear, right? Zero fear. I'm sorry. Yeah. When he would do like zero fear, Cody would come up to attack him or when Penta would be like trying to hype up the crowd, Cody would come to attack him. So that was really good. But the shoulder stuff, it's almost like we didn't need two subplots to the match going on. And I feel like, I don't know that Cody forgot it, but <laughs> it, like he would do all these moves with his shoulder and then be like, oh, it hurts. Um, I, I liked it overall. I mean, who wins? Like sort of doesn't matter. The QT Marshall stuff is just like, the thing I could care less about. <laughs> um, but again, it, what the, the other thing I'll say is like, they know how to start a show. AEW's opening matches are almost always one of the best matches on the card. Yeah. Um, so, so I really enjoyed this. Um, but yeah, and I, and I loved the idea of Cody, who seems like a guy who would be smart to take advantage of his opponent's weaknesses, doing that with, with Penta. But the shoulder injury stuff was really bad. And just like, I don't know. So I, I liked it. I thought it kind of was a strange uh, flow to the match because Cody was the face and he kind of dominated. Like, I, I don't think it was that great of a show for the Pentagon other than him kicking out of a ton of moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I know they. I know it's clear that they left stuff on the table for a future match, so that I'm okay with that because I think Penta will eventually got, get put over. My biggest issue was the mat with the match was uh, afterwards. Penta's beatdown on Cody's shoulder was was not good. It, it didn't look like he was throwing really bad punches and in, in, in like forearms on his shoulder, and it it really. Well, you didn't. should stomp a shoulder too, right? You yeah, shouldn't even I, punch it. It was like, it was just really not vicious, and then the Nightmare Family ran out and were like helping him up, like he had just taken the worst beating of his life. Really <laughs> yeah, it was that. just like one dude too, like. <laughs> and you're just beating up someone's shoulder. Just beat the shit out of it, like just laying shots. It's someone's arm. They can take like I don't know. It just looked really bony. <laughs> but Cody's top rope Hurricane Rana was really impressive. Uh, that was really cool. Yeah. No, that was strong. But overall, it was decent for me. I, and I'm glad that this is continuing on because I, I definitely think they have a better match in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So then backstage, the Bucks were interviewed by Alex Marvez. Don Callis interrupted, of course, and gave uh, the Young Bucks a No Leg Slaps t-shirt. Uh, Bucks accused Callis of changing Omega. He said he did change. He's a god of wrestling. Then Callis kind of ran down the Bucks and said, lately, there's nothing elite about them, kind of like poked at them to bring out the old New Japan Young Bucks. What did you think about the uh, segment, Quags? I, this is the most I like Don Callis. I, I really enjoyed this. And, um, I mean, this led to, obviously, some stuff later in the show. But I was into this a lot. And I thought, great promo um, by Don Callis. And also, like, a little bit of trying to put Matt and Nick against each other. Um, like, 
subtly even, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that segment. I actually thought like the beginning of it was actually decent from like the Young Bucks. Like what AEW does is that they put emphasis on tag teams and that's why their their tag team division is like really stacked just because even in their backstage promos, they'll even talk about it. They'll I was like happy that he said like, okay, you beat us in singles competition, but we're the tag team champs. You didn't beat us in tag team matches. We're the best at that. So it kind of proves as I'm like, okay, you guys are the tag team champs. They're the team to beat. So it's like when they lose singles competition, they're like, okay, you got us there, but you're not going to be us when we're a team. I like that. Don Callis, he, he could, he's a great manager. And I wasn't really a huge fan of him. Like he said, he was like, he admitted that he faked the injury or something like that. I'm not here to fake injury one. This is all scripted anyway. So like I try and like steer away from that, but it was kind of like up and down for me. I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. Um, but I didn't like the no legs flaps t-shirt because that's like a shot at WWE. Cause I think they put that in their locker room to do no leg slaps, but I don't think telling people to not do leg slaps is that bad of a thing. And I think in a way you're making fun of yourselves for, cause so many guys on this card do leg slaps and it's very noticeable. So I don't think you should like show like yeah. him to put a crowd that like so so this is my is that like when you kick someone you slap your leg to make a better sound yeah. super yes. sometimes uh luchasaurus so, and phoenix are probably the, the top two offenders they, i like i okay. don't mind the, like the sound effect it does make it sound better but you do have to at least attempt to like hide it like don't so, make it as noticeable as i'm smacking my thigh as as loud as i can like try your best like we all get it <laughs> If you really watch so, one closely, you can definitely see like them like visibly doing it. And especially it's bad when they clearly miss and you still hear a slap noise. And you're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> so so I have to clean I've, it up. So, so number one, I did not notice this during the, uh, or like, I, I didn't give it a second thought. I, I don't know what I thought he was talking about when he said that. <laughs> but then um, I remember my, like watching wrestling on TV versus going to wrestling. And when you go to see your first indie match, I feel like this is one of the things you notice the most is how many leg slaps are done. And then my second thing is, the person I think that does this the most is Dolph Ziggler. (laughs) Because I feel like I can see him do it on TV all the time. Uh, Everyone does it, man. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so then we saw Jade Cargill squashing Danny Jordan in just a little bit over a minute. Uh, after the match, he jawed with uh, Red Velvet at ringside. I'll just say, good squash, perfect, exactly what it needed to be. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I agree. Star in the making, keep doing this. Yeah, why is she beefing with Red Velvet? Like, sure it's someone <laughs> more important. It's in the because at least they have like a, a bit of a history. So they'll have a one-on-one match where they'll put Cargill over. I, I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I don't hate it. I just mean, like, it's clear she's a, she cool. seems like a star. She looks awesome. Like, the um, her finisher pose is so good. Like, when she um, she's just jacked. flips. Like, she's like very she just strong. does whatever and then, like, flips the woman over and then, like, looks back. While she's pinning them down like that, it looks so good. Yeah. All right. So then we had MJF introducing the new faction. They all came out to the ring. Tully spoke first, recapped last week's beatdown of Inner Circle. And he said that 30 years ago, he's part of the greatest group in pro wrestling and he'll end his career doing the same. 
Uh, MJF took the mic, mocked Jericho's physique, and uh, said it was tough keeping up the charade of wanting to join the inner circle, but he wanted to destroy them from the inside while creating a group of his own. Pretty much went down, a lot, down the line, touted up all the different members of the new faction, gassed himself up, said when he's done, Jericho won't be the GOAT, he will. Said the faction was the pinnacle and that they're coming for all the premier championships the sport has to offer. Also, this was kind of random. They're also going to go take over Inner Circle's locker room. Uh, <laughs> Captain, he's going, I'm better than you. You know it. Uh, Christopher, what did you think? I thought this was great. Uh, at the end of last week's show, this is exactly what I was looking forward to. I was like, okay, I want to see what these guys are about, who, who they are, mm-hmm. why are they together and everything. Mm-hmm. And MJF is perfect in this role. Like it made sense of like the whole, this is great storytelling itself because it was a little awkward to see MJF playing kind of second fiddle to Jericho and then him explaining all this. I'm like, this makes perfect sense. He even, I I loved when he did introduce everyone, touted everyone, like from literally person to person, FTR, Wardlow, even got Tully. And then he even like, we talked about like Sean Spears is great in the ring. But then when MJF was talking about him, you cared about him a little bit more. MJF is basically a giant star that makes everyone else a a bigger star when you're around him. So that's like a kind of a perfect avenue. And now we got really compelling stories we got from next week on like we talked about all like the different feuds they have with the inner circle and like yeah the locker room thing they'll kind of throw a jab in there and stuff like that but now you could see they're kind of like the i'm okay with AEW have plenty of groups and factions and stuff but now they're the it group now they're the it team now and i think a lot of things are going to be revolving around them this was definitely one of my highlights of the show you talk about something that you watch and you're just like this is really compelling. Like, yeah, I can't look away. Um, yes. How awesome. And MJF going through like person by person or entity by entity, because think about FDRs, two people, but mm-hmm. so good. Um, yeah, the only, so so I love this segment as much as y'all did. And, and I'm sure most people did. My only criticism in my little bit of uh, MJF is young is, people were chanting you suck you suck or like you guys suck and mjf should have come back at them with something i feel like at that point so i mean this is really nitpicking and um i did i want to totally say that i thought it was awesome and the promo was awesome and he ended it so well just looking at the camera that closely it didn't really matter but imagine this was 20,000 people and it would, they were chanting, you suck. It would have been harder to ignore. So I sort of wish that MJF would have said something to come back to everyone. But at the same time, um, yeah, he's starting this. This is, you know, uh, the first promo for the pinnacle. I'm sure that he's getting that feedback and I hope it gets better. So much like last week where I said, let's wait for uh, Scorpio to uh, Scorpio Sky <laughs> to come back with a, a vignette or a promo. Um, let's wait to see like what MJF says about people chanting you suck. But this is great. I mean, like the, the end of the promo was so awesome. Um, I think this is going to be one of those that I look up on YouTube in 10 years and watch back and say like, yeah, this dude was so yeah. good. Yeah, hopefully there's longevity in it. 
I definitely like to bring up uh, my roommate who just watches Dynamite with me, not really that interested in wrestling. And midway through, he's like, MJF's so good on the mic. Yeah. Uh, I loved, and I brought, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back because I, I kind of feel like I mapped this out a little bit that he was saying his, he wanted to destroy Inner Circle from the inside, like make them feud with each yeah, other yeah. rather than just trying to kick their ass with his own group. I love that. That makes um, sense. I like the name Pinnacle. It's a great heel faction name. I think that's a cool, it makes sense. I think that bunch of guys weren't <laughs> looking great. I think that's perfect for what they look like and the vibe they put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the promo by Tully was good too. I like that they started with yes. him. It was just a cut and dry, like no bones about it. Just I, I think they great. they use they use old guys so well. Yeah. Like no offense to Tully saying old guys, but I'm sure he would say he is. But yeah, they they <laughs> they do the that so well. Where to, <laughs> they validate right? It validates MJF. It validates what he's saying. Like. Yeah, absolutely. So good. And like even MGF like touting him as in like one of the greatest minds. Like I actually was a little bit worried of like Tolly Blanchard coming in, like being FTR's manager, being Sean Spears' manager. I'm like, I like it as a manager role, but I'm like they give him the mic a lot. I'm like, oh, is he gonna be like kind of giving up too much of it? But now he does a perfect job of just like says what he needs says and then passes off and then shines a light on the young guys. That's exactly what needs to happen. I just had one more note for this segment, and that was I'm just thinking Omega gets gives the belt to Paige, Paige to MJF. I'm just thinking of the fastest way to get the belt on MJF because oh, yeah. that's what needs to happen. Because the more mic time you give that guy, the better. I mean, he doesn't have to have the belt to, to – Yeah, uh, it might be a slow build, to be honest, because, like, I think what they're trying to do now is it's yeah. because, like, other companies, you don't want these uh, – and this was, like, a hot topic for a lot of old-school wrestlers. You don't want these belts to become props, and that's what a lot of belts yeah. have been nowadays. So – you want to make it a big deal when these titles switch hands. Like even every time, like there's not been many world champions. You got Jericho, Moxley, and then Omega. And then like now they're kind of telling the story from there, but you're right. I mean, also he's, he pointed out he's so young too. So they got plenty of time with him, but he's every time he's on the mic, it's like, how can you deny him? I liked that so much that he said, I'm only 24. I mean, you know, I'm 31. That made me feel bad. <laughs> and also, it's a cool, it's a cool thing to say, like, look, these dudes are young, like like Darby, MJF. Like it's it's cool to highlight how AEW is highlighting the the young and the old. And I mean, like, you know, everybody in between, but it seems like that's this company's um sort of vibe is that. We have these old guys, yeah, but we're also like really elevating young talent that otherwise would have stuck around in the indies for whatever, six, seven years, like finally got onto NXT and then maybe a couple of years later got into Raw and then they're old by then. Right, and they're, then they're, they're they stoner gimmick like Matt Riddle go nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're like just a I mean, halt. <laughs> not, like, not to totally cross over on our podcast, but for Bobby Lashley to finally win the title yeah. is so great yeah. in WWE. Oh, but old. he's old. How it's long also, can he? He can't. He's yeah, not not he's to like, cross. Oh, who's he gonna give it over to? You know, like. Yeah, this was pretty. And funny. that's unfair to him. 
not to like cross it over, but when they like made a big deal saying he finally won it, I was like, it took him. I was just like, you guys didn't realize to like this guy's humongous. You guys didn't want to put it on him. I'm like, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, back, back, back to back to Dynamite World over here. I'm telling you, right. I'm really excited for the Pinnacle. I'm excited for like every segment now that yeah. they do for each show. All right, let's move on and do Matt Hardy Butcher Blade Private Party, the debut of what the, the Matt Empire. I think he was going to cut like a little vignette, uh, touting them up. They beat Jurassic Express and Bear Country in about eight minutes after Private Party hit Marco with the gin and juice. Hardy tagged himself in to hit wounded Marco with the twist of fate. So happened after like a little bit of dissension between Bear Country and uh, Jurassic Express. Yeah, I like watching Bear Country. Um, I had I hadn't watched Dark with them before, so um, that was cool seeing them. Um, I love Luchasaurus. I thought that was really like his moment when he was like trashing everyone. I thought that was awesome. I don't know what purpose this match really <laughs> served, except for to keep people on TV and to think like maybe uh, Bear Country and um, Jurassic Express is gonna have a feud. So. That's cool, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I thought the match was fine, but. I really liked the pace of the match. It made it feel like it's realistic that like the faces, like the good guys didn't get along because every time it's just like we, we do this, all this hokey mm-hmm. stuff, like we're good guys. Let's high five each other. Like, like just because like you have the same attitude doesn't mean that you could mesh well. So I made it a little bit more realistic, even just like how they bumped for each other of like the bear country guys they're the new burly guys and they would just like they slam someone but they would actually hit their partner i like that a lot i thought that finer detail was really cool uh you guys know about um matt hardy's group of how i feel about it not the biggest fan i like his gimmick but not it, this is like we're getting to borderline of group of misfits now because now like we did say it's a stretch of like private party and butcher and blade they got nothing in common but they're like and then you got big money Matt saying, but we all love money. I'm like, okay, just know that this is getting a little bit close to like, okay, let's just put you guys in because we got nothing else for you to do. But I actually like Book Triple a lot, and it kind of makes sense. Like, and this is just me knowing a lot about this. They were actually when they first debuted in AEW, they were hired guns. I remember MJF would pay them off and say, and then they would put hits on like people and stuff like that. So yeah. that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like we talked about the pinnacle debut uh, debut just right before this segment before and quacks you were saying how like these old guys do accentuate these young guys i'm a little bit worried with matt hardy i know he has the best interest of elevating these young guys but every time it seems like it's matt hardy showing like hey these are guys are, are behind me i i thought it was good uh i thought it was a fine way to debut debut the team you knew they were going to win they weren't going to lose in their first match there's nothing wrong with knowing who's going to win though a little too much marco for me uh i better served in the heel manager just being annoying i just i i can't i hate him like i want to see him get his ass kicked i (laughs) um he doesn't play I, the plucky baby face as much. He kind of is more of like spunky as in like kind yeah, of like your kid brother that you just kind of want to just knee in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was aggressive. Perfect person to give, uh, to get the, get pinned to save the other people from having to lose a match. And only mm-hmm. other thing I'll say is I'm usually pretty critical of Luchasaurus's comebacks. And I, I, Quags, you brought this up. I, I thought 
this one looked really crisp and, and really good. Like, I didn't yeah. think it looked nearly as choreographed, so I'll give him that when he deserves it. <laughs> Some, sometimes I, I, I mean, like, I really like him. I wish he would. I I wonder if this is just me. Like, I love Luchasaurus. Like, I wish he would get a singles run. But at the same time, like, I love this this little group. I don't think it's just you. I think the fans do like him quite a bit, him and Jungle Boy. And I mean, a lot of, like, Marco Stump. But there's definitely Luchasaurus pops whenever he, he when, when they had fans. I remember I, yeah. I remember when they first debuted, I actually texted Eric saying, I don't get this. It's a it's a kid who is like Tarzan and there's a dinosaur and everyone's just going <laughs> crazy. And I'm like, I don't get this. And then I watched it like one time and then I texted Eric saying, I totally get it now. I'm like such a big fan of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, again, sorry, doing WWE crossover, but it feels like Elias where it's like, why is this funny? Yeah. And then you watch it a few times, you're like, wow. This is really like, funny. Yeah. Like I get it. Like I'm, I'm in. Like, I'll just agree with that. I think Elias is terrible. <laughs> when he started, he was good, and then it just flamed out. They're All just right, like, sorry. oh, we can, is, we can we can move on. This we can is move funny. On. Let's do it for ten more sh- straight weeks, yeah. and let's see how this go turns out. <laughs> All right. So Moxley and Kingston were interviewed. Uh, Moxley said he should be on a beach sipping my ties, but they gotta go to war, baby. <laughs> Made <laughs> money on Good Brothers Coffee Chop a Mania pay per view and made fun of Gallo's googly eyes. He said, This is an impact, it's their home. Kingston got a little more serious than Moxley, quartered 50 Cent and Tupac, and he said that the Good Brothers are cowards. Cowards die a thousand deaths and soldiers die once. I'll just say, I, I know these two have good chemistry together and they're like good friends. This was too goofy for me. Um, I like loose promos like this, but this this was like they're both great characters when they're a little more serious. And I thought this was strange. And I will say, I know Talking Chopper Mania is an inside reference, but I actually purchased that too, and it was fucking awful. So I totally <laughs> making fun of it. <laughs> so I bought for that, but I didn't like the segment. This is so funny because I feel like I'm usually the one that's down on Moxley's promos in general and i really like this one i thought they, i thought it didn't get too goofy i thought that they towed the line like pretty well and um that moxley was being a little bit goofy and kingston like kind of reined him in but um that's so funny that you're on the other side of me for this one but it wasn't either way, but either way i i felt like um i felt it, it, there was better direction like I knew why they were gonna go fight the Good Brothers, and um, that's what I get on Moxley for a lot of times. I don't understand why he's saying what he's saying, and this one I felt like, okay, I got it. I know why you're doing this. I know why Eddie Kingston is with you. Like I get it. Yeah, I was uh, even Stevens with this promo. To be honest, <laughs> uh, I thought it was good. They're both great on the mic, but. I knew whatever they were going to say was nothing, nothing new was going to be here as in like, okay, like we, we see this feud for a while. It's going to happen. Uh, that's all I had. All right. So then we had Dasha interviewing Christian Cage. He touted himself as the workhorse, the workhorse in professional wrestling. I forgot that I uh, capitalized the event. Uh, he said he knows he'll have to win matches and earn a spot and that the only spot he's interested in is Omega's. I'll cement his legacy in AEW by outworking everyone. Yeah, 
to be honest, I was a little disappointed in this. I was touting Christian Cage last week for a while, but then I saw this. I liked, I, I kind of wish that he would kind of be heel Christian Cage from old TNA. I enjoyed that a lot. Well, like instant could, classic could, Christian Cage. Promo. He was a little cocky in this promo. It didn't, didn't no, yeah, sound 100% of a face promo to me. No, it wasn't super face, but let's let's talk about what the meat of the promo was that he works hard and not to be mean or anything, but like every like every professional wrestler, sure. everyone works sure. hard. I think I actually read like an interview one time where uh, someone was asking like John Cena for advice and John Cena was like, OK, who are you? Like, what is so and so? What does your name mean? And like the person was like, oh, I work hard to do this. And then John Cena said, well, everyone works hard. So what what else yeah. and like that kind of <laughs> makes sense yeah. like you, you everyone should like everyone is going to give 100 percent. everyone is going to give like works hard and everything so i get like the i'll work everyone he does it more so than everyone else but like it's not going to really stand out i mean like look one of our favorite guys is orange cassidy and he literally is portraying a guy who did not work <laughs> hard and now he's like the most one of the most over guys so like just that just shows let alone that like True. being different True. is kind of like the way to go so so I even got that vibe from the t-shirt, like when it said outwork everyone, I'm like, okay. Like I, yeah. we already know he's great. Like I, I really enjoy Christian's matches. I always enjoy them. I enjoy the storyline and stuff. I just thought this kind of fell flat. If like just working hard was the main part of it. So I'm at the point where I need to see him wrestle because I thought this was a good promo and I was decidedly not excited for Christian but the couple things he said where he goes I know this is AEW I know I need to win matches until I can challenge Kenny but really I want to have that championship that got him over for me because uh last week I said like how can a guy walk in and hold that belt and look at it and even have that expectation that he can compete for the championship without a record mattering or whatever so um I think it's funny because I was really low on him Chris and you were really high on him last week I feel like now we've calibrated and now we're at the same point you gotta get um, the balance of power <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean I'm excited to see what he does but at the end of the day I guess that's what it is like yeah I got you got to see what the guy can do in the ring um yeah <laughs> So the balance of power is about to be completely equal because uh -oh. I like this promo a lot too. Wow, we did an old switcheroo. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was confident, but I, 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 you know, I don't really want to add that much because exactly like Quag said, I like that he understands that he's got to win some matches. But why shouldn't it realistically in storyline? Why shouldn't his main goal be to win the world title? So I enjoyed that. I, I just thought it was a. Don't, it didn't break any new ground, don't get me wrong, but no. it was a good, quick two-minute wrestling promo. I think that no, I, I, don't, was I don't mind that. They talked about, like, working towards a world title. I think that kind of gave everyone more relief as in, like, okay, cool, they're not just going to just hand these guys just out left and right of a new guy that just comes in just to make it fresh and new. It was just more of, like, I kind of wish I knew, like, I thought when they said, we're going to hear from Christian Cage from the first time, and, like, on AEW, I thought I was going to get a little bit more. And also, I will say, like, the outwork, everyone, I don't mind, but it's also kind of a little bit of, like, a backstage type thing. Like, everyone knows that I work really hard in my matches. Right. And it's like, well, in realistically, 
it shouldn't matter storyline wise if you work hard during the match. It's just if you win or you lose. It was right. kind of like like behind the scenes babe type well, stuff where it's like we know you're a good wrestler. I don't know. I take that as like in the gym, like off camera and everything. He's gonna work so hard that he's going to be able to come in and like you know pin whoever. I mean, he doesn't exactly have the best physique, though. Like, <laughs> we said that he's a, on the older side, as in, like, I'm a big fan of uh, Edge. Uh, like, it's just well, like, well, you actually... have to work harder. <laughs> it's like, I, I actually really enjoy like Edge and Christian so much. I told uh, Eric this before, I might have told you this. I actually met them in person one time at my gym. And they were like the two nicest guys like in the world. <laughs> like, it was like pretty weird. You never told me this. That's amazing. <laughs> Christopher's love for Christian. Well, no, uh, you talked more Edge, though. I right? talked to, I, yeah, Edge was more there. I think it was just weird because, like, I, I live in Stanford, Connecticut. So, like, they were obviously visiting the headquarters and they were just going to my gym. And then I was just like, well, I definitely have to introduce myself to him or whatever. And it was pretty funny, oh, yeah. actually. Like, and it was just Edge coming in. Christian wasn't there yet because they came in for like a week. And then I finally just like kind of mustered up, like just go up to Edge as I'm like, all right, hopefully uh, he doesn't hate it that I'm just going up to him. I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm a big fan. And he's like, thanks, man. How are you doing? And I looked at him like, ah, in my head, I'm like, I didn't think we'd get this far. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, but then I was joking around. We talked a bit uh, about like his matches and stuff like that or whatever. Like I was telling him like how I became a fan and everything. And he was just a really super cool dude. And then Crunchy came in. I told him I was a big fan and I talked to him briefly. He was the same thing was just talking to me a little bit and he was a really cool guy. So yeah, maybe a yeah. little bit of bias here You're and there. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, how awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so random. I remember I was just walking and then this like kind of this Viking type guy just walks in. I'm just like, mm, that looks like edge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But then Kingston and John Moxley defeated Good Brothers about 10 minutes. Uh, Good Brothers jump-started the match, tacked Moxley and Kingston on the stage. We saw a very gentle magic killer on the floor to Moxley. Uh, Kingston got beat up for the most of the match. Um, eventually, Moxley caught Anderson. I think a small package, some type of roll-up for the win. For the win, you voice cracker. Uh, after the match, Kenny and Callis hit the ring, and a beatdown ensued. Kingston tried to save Moxley, but they put Kingston's leg in the chair. They pilmanized it, uh, stomp off the turnbuckle. Before they mm. could get the Moxley's neck, Bucks ran down, stopped him. After a little bit of arguing, Bucks turned down doing a two-sweet. And in that time, Mox was able to run off uh, Good Brothers and uh, Kenny with a chair. Moxley so first of all, uh, John Moxley almost did the rope bounce Dean Ambrose move. <laughs> did you did you catch it? You guys are so into that. He he did it, but he did it, but so he random. didn't bounce in between the first and second rope. He just bounced on the first rope and he did it. Um, which honestly looks way better and more real, like a real wrestling move. But anyway, what I loved about this match was the cadence. This is something that I always look for, uh, especially in tag team matches where they don't do the typical, you know, heel face, heel face kind of thing. And mm -hmm. they didn't do this at all. And also they all looked exhausted. Like by the uh, 
third part of the match here or fourth part of the match, like the end, they all looked like they were so tired, which I had, um, I mean, I'm sure they are always, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, it was really cool to see them just like look and act. And I think that was part of, part of the match was that they, that, um, they, they looked so exhausted. Um, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes here. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like they didn't necessarily have a game plan, which I believe with the Good Brothers versus a random tag team of Moxley and Kingston. Like, hey, we're just going to go out. We're going to try and beat the shit out of each other. Um, and so, yeah, that was really cool. The, the, like, the roll-up, um, I don't know. AEW does so many roll-ups. And... I wouldn't yes, mind the it. One, the Cody one earlier in the night, and then to have like another roll yeah, up was kind of that's like, what oh. I thought. I'm like, ah, another roll up, but I mean, what can you do? So I have the same comment on the next segment of the interrupting. I would have loved it if they didn't do it every single week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like if they don't do the roll ups all the time, it's great, but they do them all the time. And at some point, like, there's a limit to how many of these are cool or like are acceptable even or like ridiculous um, all right <laughs> yeah so so for the beatdown, my number one thing was kenny didn't have the belt where's the belt and i feel like your champion or if you have a hundred ballets like kenny does someone should have the belt and no one did so um that was weird did Wait, like are you referring Bucks? to belt like what belt are you referring to the championship belt, right? The I didn't I didn't notice that either way, but you might you're probably right. I didn't no one no one had the belt. No one had the oh I know you, oh I thought okay I thought you were saying Moxley's like belt you're like oh he didn't have his signature like like leather belt on that's what I was like wondering I was like who's coming in as a champ you're talking about Omega yeah no like no always like no they that. didn't they they literally didn't have the you might be right. You should, mm-hmm. Why not show it off? Why not have it there? Well, I was waiting when he took his like over shirt off. I was waiting for the belt to be under it, but it wasn't. Like they didn't. Yeah, he wasn't wearing the belt. So if you're the champ, so, and especially if you have Don Callis, right? Right. Like at least he should be. Yeah, carrying. he should be holding it. Yeah, I see what you mean. I thought you said Mox at first. That's why I was getting confused. But yeah, I, 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 that would bother me too. As in, like this is supposed to be like the pinnacle of like the the company why wouldn't you portray yeah. that and parade that literally everywhere you go well, especially also, him like, being the hero is that it? he is it's it at a um you know like you you have to have it with you at all times i feel yeah. like I don't know. <laughs> um but i did like the bucks coming out as tweeners sort of like in between um moxley and uh, and Kenny, and they didn't really want to cause problems, but they didn't want Moxley to get his head cut off. So, <laughs> yeah, I I liked all of this. Um, I I thought it was sloppy that Kenny didn't have the belt. That was like a weird a weird critique for me. But uh, <laughs> all in all, like a good a good match. Uh, just a strange like ending. Um, but the Bucks stuff was good. And I'm excited to see where that goes. And it really did build on the um, promo earlier where Don Callis was like, who do you want to be, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you you kind of hit everything. I thought the match was like pretty good. Okay, unfortunate with the roll up. I thought it was an interesting start with the beat down. I'm like, oh, okay, at least it's not going to be like the same uh, hot tag, hot tag, face heel, face heel thing. Mm-hmm. The post match beat down. Uh, I mean, like we knew this was going to kind of happen. Like this is kind of what uh, Omega and the Good Brothers mo is. They always just like they try and hurt you when you're not looking and everything. I just wasn't like satisfied with the Young Bucks. Didn't side with them. Like I thought that would have been more of like. They were going to do the too sweet thing. And then they're just like, no. And then like the announcer's like, no, they didn't do it. But I'm like, they, they were never going to do that. Like that wasn't like a satisfying as in like, I feel like you could have really made that into like a, into an arc, but maybe they wanted to just get through the story because it already kind of fumbled a little bit already. So maybe they just want to go through with it. I thought the match was good. Um, it doesn't bother me that they didn't do the too sweet and the announcers didn't really like I, I just feel like I guess they're trying to tell a slow story that we know we all know where it's going. You know, it's definitely gonna be just like the young bucks yeah. versus brothers. They're gonna turn on like their friends, but it's okay. It does I don't bother it doesn't bother me when stories you know what's gonna happen before it does. Um match was fine. My it was it, it was good. I liked that the good brothers dominated these injured guys. I thought the roll-up was weak, like we said, and I'll say Moxley's tope, where he just, like, does, like, a little push is awful. <laughs> <laughs> opposite of Darby's, where he just totally wiped the guy out. Um, yeah. It, it just looked like playing, like, you jump out and do a quick, like, high-five to the guy. It, it was bad. And we're talking about Cody not selling the arm. Moxley was not selling his. Like, he kind of had a similar thing going on, too, and he was not selling that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true, but I mean it was fine. I thought it was good, and I liked. I, I'm I'm a sucker for the for the stomping on the chair while someone's limb is in it. So I like that. <laughs> I cracked up when you said that that ginger magic killer on the outside. I, I honestly watched that, and I even like circled, highlighted. I was just like, I even said Eric will call this out, and I was like, I'm not even gonna text him. I'm like, I'll know he'll call it out on the podcast. <laughs> Um, all right, so it would have been dynamite if Tony Schiavone didn't interview Sting, even though Sting <laughs> honestly to have his own segment interviewed by Shivani and not say a word. Uh, Sting Darby took the stage. Darby said he'd only defended the title three times, or he said, How uh, since I've been here, blah blah blah, I've defended the title three times, and the crowd went nuts. And he quickly had to be like, No, but he pivoted really well, yeah, no, that was good. Okay. I want to be a fighting champion uh, in honor of the greatest TNT champ of all time. And everyone started ch- chanting Cody. They were chanting Brody. What did you say? They were chanting Brody, I thought. Oh, I thought they were chanting Cody. I mean, that's that's also a debate as well. As I'm like, I don't even want to get into that debate. Who was a better champ, like Cody or Brody? But that I thought be- it was Cody as well, but um, oh, I thought it would it make Brody. more sense if it was Brody. Wow. Well, it's the actual fans, so they can chant whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess <laughs> well, some of it's the wrestlers. Maybe like <laughs> get on the same page. I mean, all due respect to Brody, but Cody did hold the title. That's well, I mean, that's like a little. <laughs> Yo, also, I just want to say, I did not realize he'd been the TNT champ for 150 plus days. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's a long time. 
Yeah, I mean, do you know how long that Sting and Darby versus Team Taz went through? That's the reason why it went yeah. so long. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. If this so podcast the- had started sooner, we would <laughs> be more annoyed by that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he challenged a member of Dark Order, pretty much in honor of Brody. Um, Archer came out and he called Darby Indy-rific. He likes coughing so much that Archer's going to put his ass in one. Then Jake put the mic, called Darby a weenie, <laughs> told Sting he's going to get what's coming. Uh, he warned the two about how dangerous Archer was, and then they kind of just walked out. And then before they could get back to the interview, Team Taz, <laughs> Team Taz interrupted. And then Taz was interrupted by his own guy. <laughs> Brian Cage said... Uh, after the street fight, he respects Sting. He said uh, Ricky Starks was wrong with or without the bat. Sting's still the icon. Team Taz went off on Cage and uh, just kind of pushed past him. The segment was over. Um, <laughs> I'll just say I like that Darby was still selling the leg. I like long-term stuff like that. Attention to detail, and they pointed it out. I like that he – I liked his segment a lot where he talked about wanting to defend the, the championship. I honestly don't – think this was that bad of a segment other than it was so much stuff crammed together which made it bad i think in the individual parts were interesting my biggest point coming out of this cage and archer archer was briefly a face now he's turning heel cage is turning face it seems add in scorpio sky turning heel add an inner circle almost all turning face and there's and there's probably more examples they are just swapping everyone right now and i just feel like it's too much i feel like it diminishes actual turns like big turns where you get emotionally invested when you do so many um and my last thing was like if you look at the roster six months ago there'll be probably so many guys that were a heel that are now a face and face that are now a heel but uh what do you think quags yeah, I think that this would have resonated so much more. I think I just like foreshadowed this and think about the last thing, but um, if they didn't interrupt every week, I would have loved this segment so much because um, just love the way that they came through um, that Lance, Ar- I-, I even like the Lance, Ar- Lance Archer interruption. Um, I like the way that Brian Cage stole the mic um, I thought that, like, can lead to a lot of other stuff. Like, maybe he's going to turn on Team Taz or, you know, I don't know, whatever it might be, like, built up a, um opportunity to, to, to have some dissension there. But all of this is pretty good to me. Uh, I thought it was kind of like, what you Eric kind of hit the head uh hit the nail on the head there of like just like jamming everything together. I think one day I'm just gonna get like a whiteboard and just put it here of like Tony, <laughs> Tony interviewing Sting and Darby. I'm just gonna just tally it every week just to see how far we can go because it's crazy how the announcers are not even <laughs> it's just like the announcers are like, oh, and we got Tony interviewing Sting and acting as if it's like the first time. I'm like, at least can you guys just maybe make this like a continuum thing just so I don't feel crazy. And I don't know why you guys are so confused about all these heel and face turns. They just signed Paul White. You don't think he's adding in as in like, all right, guys, we got to have some heel turns and some face turns right now. No, that's all jokes, oh, obviously. No, the, the heel and face turns are kind of weird. It, they should have just spread it out, I feel like, instead of just putting it all together. 
actually liked Lance Archer as a babyface tweener um, type monster. But I mean, like it, they kind of are sh- showing this out a little bit. Uh, I think Darby's hitting everything on all cylinders. I think he's selling everything great. I think he's his promo is great, even when like people are cheering for him when he shouldn't have. He called them out and said that, and then he. I think he gave a shout out to the Dark or- Brody in the Dark Order, and I, I thought, think it was- <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was a good shout out to them, as in like, okay, like he's got to go back into being like he needs to keep going, like he shouldn't, like he's not, he doesn't seem like a guy that rests on his laurels. I thought Eric, you you really highlighted him to me, saying gotta watch this guy, and the first thing I saw was him doing a coffin drop on an apron, and I'm like, who's this guy? And then uh, <laughs> now I just see him just like passionate every time he goes i see he puts 100 percent effort into literally everything he's doing so it just makes me excited to watch him more so i think he is the one that kind of definitely highlighted out of this the team taz thing i guess like there's so many groups now you kind of have to have your own story maybe brian cage uh i didn't see his didn't see this coming him having a face turn or whatever maybe they could do something now with that ftw belt because that's kind of a prop right now but I mean, I'm also a little bit worried for him. He, he's so huge, but he cannot talk. Like it was, it was good how he was spo- <laughs> oh, spoke. I didn't think thing. his, I didn't think his promo was that bad. No, actually. I'm not talking about I, his. I'm was... not talking about his promo. I'm talking about in general. He never talks, or wherever he talks, he just says, "Who's better?" And I'm like, okay. Like oh, Ricky Starks is the mouthpiece. I'm worried that he's not gonna have a mouthpiece. Taz was such a perfect well, mouthpiece for Brian yeah, but- Cage. But I'll say when he when he first took the mic and he said to Taz, like, I don't need you to talk for me. I thought that was like an error or some weird thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. And then when he continued his promo and said, like, you don't need the bat. You're the icon to me. I was in, I was impressed no, by that. The and, promo was good. I'm just worried now, week in and week out, like if he's not going to be sure. with Team Taz mm-hmm. anymore, if he's going to be alone and he's going to be cutting promos, he wasn't the best promo cut. I, I hope like he looks like a million bucks and everything. I hope he could just flourish on the mic. Cause then there's another huge star right there. Yeah. All right. So Scorpio sky vignette about no longer being the nice guy said he's a wrestling savant. And if he needs to hurt people to get to the top, so be it. I mean, this would like I'm excited to see what Scorpio Sky is. I know Quags was talking a lot about Scorpio Sky <laughs> last week, and I don't think it's fair to say like, "Hey, Quags, like, what, what does he say now?" Because he wasn't even on the show. So like, I I think this is kind yeah. of a wait and see approach. I kind of am bummed though. I wanted it, it. This is what I mean. Like, we had Tony interview Sting for the ninth hundredth time. Why didn't they just do something else like interview Scorpio Sky instead? I think you should strike while the iron's hot. Like, don't wait a week. As in, like, oh, yeah, remember I attacked Darby like two weeks ago or whatever? I thought they should have done it now, but I'm still quacks. I'm not flacking you at all. I'm still excited to see what Scorpio is going to say and do. No, it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, when I saw this, the thing I thought was, oh, I wish this was live. I wish yeah. that he had taken the mic from Tony and done this or, you know, just had the opportunity to get in the ring and cut this promo because, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good but like obviously editing and everything else like it's so different than getting into the ring and cutting an actual promo so um yeah it's a holding pattern I mean like I feel like I am justified in saying let's wait and see still with this because I'm still a Scorpio Sky fan um I'm excited for his heel turn I thought the explanation that he made 
made sense, but mm-hmm. um, it doesn't, uh, a vignette like this, when you're already established, when you're not new, doesn't really mean anything. Right. So I completely disagree in terms of, I, I like vignettes. I don't, I think WWE has taught everyone that in order to get a point across, you have to go out and cut like an eight minute promo in the ring. And that's not how wrestling has been done for years. And I think this was just a far more effective way. Cause look, you only got two hours. I'd rather just do like a quick, like, and I don't care if it's produced, like it's Scorpio sky. He's not that interesting anyway. Like if you can, if you can hide. Yeah, but wouldn't it be more interesting if it it was there though? Like I guess that's kind of my point. I felt like the vignette kind of repeated what like he did. We all knew that he's a heel, that he attacked him from behind. He was probably frustrated about not being shown. You're wrong. I'm not saying this is Dusty Rhodes' hard times, bro. <laughs> Don't even touch that. <laughs> Literally, my note says this was good. That's it. <laughs> so, we're so, talking so, about like five minutes into it. <laughs> I think those subscribers are, are great, an excellent tool that all companies should use more that WWE used to use in the past to, to tout guys up and they don't use enough anymore. Yeah. I, I think that's true to a certain extent, but not for guys like him. Like he's been around, we know him. He just did a major heel turn like on TV. He needs to have like, he needs to on TV answer for or tell about what he's done. In my opinion, I mean, like that's a stepping stone, Quags. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have to side with Quags on this one. It's just like if you're gonna if you're gonna, if you're gonna push him, show him. Like <laughs> push him. Yeah, if you're gonna push, he Come won on, the face. He's the face of the revolution. You know what? Show I'm, I'm, I'm the new Scorpio Sky fan. No more Mister Nice Guy. <laughs> Them Cali boys have to stick together. <laughs> Can't wait till I see you. I'm gonna kick you right in the gut and RKO you, dude. It's over. <laughs> All right. So then we had defeating Helico about seven minutes with his sit out. I just don't know what the hell this move is called. Sit out pile driver. It looks great every time. Uh, what do you think, Quags? Um, I'm just looking at my notes here. Hold on. Uh, I love that the um that faction is gaining like getting wins like left and right um i feel like that's gonna sneak up like pack pock and pack or pock 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 yeah Yeah. and phoenix uh like at some point they're gonna be challenging for something and they're gonna be like we're 20 and 0 what are you uh that's awesome to me and um and elica like they held their ground like that was cool but yeah, Phoenix looks great, like good and put forward the right people and yeah, nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, as soon as Phoenix did his uh, power driver finisher, I didn't even know what to put. So I was like, Phoenix is great. That's literally like, like he, I honestly yeah. thought he was cool. Like when I was first watching AEW, but now he's just like literally this whole death triangle thing. Very like MO is basically throw caution to the wind. It seems like they always go like a hundred miles an hour. Everything looks intense and it's really fun to watch. Um, but what you were saying before, Quags about Angelico saying, okay, he held his ground. I'm confused about Angelico. Why do, do he kind of gets matches and he is like kind of looks strong here or there? But I don't know why because he has no background of him. I'm like, why why is he not like 
getting squashed. Not saying that like, oh, let's just like let's bury this guy or whatever, but it just seems like they give this guy a lot of time. I'm like, we know he can go. I think he's supposed to be like a solid like tier two guy, right? Like he's supposed to be like able to hold his ground against the I top guess, guys, but I don't yeah. know. That that's sometimes they need to clean up. Like when I was like raving Ethan Page last week, whatever, and it's like Lee Johnson, mm-hmm. and they were just saying like, no, Lee Johnson's like a tier below. I'm like, Lee Johnson's not a tier below. This guy was literally not here, and I'm not saying Angelico is Lee Johnson by any yeah. means, but I didn't know what tier really Angelico is as in like phoenix is like we were saying he's red hot uh with Pac going to go for the, the tag title soon so i thought he was just going to smoke him and then i'm like oh they're like getting both moves in i was like oh okay this is i just thought that was weird so i i think angelico is super, first of all i i love his style i like the submission style that's something that you don't usually yeah. see on the show. he is unique i will give him that he is definitely unique and these guys have worked together in Mexico, AAA, Lucha Underground, and it showed. I, I thought this match was great. Um, I don't mind Angelico getting in that much offense, especially when it's, in general, it's just like him out maneuvering and getting him into submission holds. So I don't think it holds as much yeah. weight the match lasts longer. He's not like slamming, right. destroying him. No. Um, my, my other note, I mean, I really enjoyed this match. And my number one note was that Phoenix Cutter looked incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I watched this match because this is when my TNT app last night shit out. So I watched it <laughs> today and I was like, oh, I'm glad I went back and watched this because I thought this was a great little seven minute match. Yeah. And I, don't, I didn't see Marco holding on that long. You know, it reminded me of when you see like um, a really good NFL team play a crappy NFL team or like a mid-level, mid-level, yeah, not a crappy, like a mid-level NFL team and they score like two touchdowns and you're like, oh, maybe they have a chance. Yeah, and then yeah. the good then NFL <laughs> team scores like three, like, yeah. Three in a row. And you're like, oh, <laughs> they never really had a chance and it's like oh like that's the difference right like an elico yeah. is like a good it made me feel like real sports oh like they're good they can mm-hmm. like he can make yeah. a few moves and like do a couple things but really against somebody like ray phoenix like they're never gonna win yeah or like they need to get better they need to improve on this or that to actually no that makes sense like, i thought that was a great analogy yeah all right, so then we had Alex Morvez interviewing Miro mid-pull-ups. Uh, Miro said he wasn't interested in Chuck Taylor's challenge. Kip Sabian appeared, told Miro he wanted the match because he's still not over them ruining his, ruining his wedding. Bit of tension was teased between the two of them. Miro seemed unconcerned with Penelope, said the worst thing that happened in Miro's career was bringing his wife ringside, which was clever. Mm. Uh, cares about is his destiny to be champion when Miro walked away Kip Sabian told Marvez that they accept the match I'll say I, you know I'm not a big fan of these types of segments with Miro I think this the direction this one went in was perfect I think this is what they need Miro's an asshole he doesn't give a shit about Kip Sabian it's clear or Penelope um, I like that he doesn't care about Chuck Taylor I think for him to be almost like that match is beneath me um is good and him saying like he's more focused on going to win the title is is good uh what do you, what do you think chris uh actually yeah i thought this was good this is what more of miro needs so like oh, i don't want to like repeat everything you said i agree with everything it just seems like they're abandoning this pairing though 
and it didn't never really got off from the start, which is kind of unfortunate. But I mean, that's also wrestling. You, you do these things, and then you see if it's if if it's not working, then you move on to the next thing. They know Miro has better things to do, yeah. and how beautiful that these like side shots at WWE, but these are good ones where like the dumbest thing you can do is bring your wife to the ring. Like clearly, uh, like uh, you know, a, a shot at. Um, Rusev and Lana being a whole thing, and oh, that was the best part of his career was when he was with her in the beginning. I know, <laughs> right? But like, for him to then say that it wasn't, like, yeah. I don't know, he in, yeah, and um, just great stuff about we'll still be friends outside of the ring. Clearly, being like, I'm gonna kick your ass. Yeah, I'm yeah. so ready. I'm so ready to get rid of you, you loser. I love, I love that so much. That was great. All right. Then Alex Marvez interviewed the Dark Order, and they asked which of them would answer Darby Allen's open challenge. After a quick negative one popping in, saying he wanted to, people who know telling him maybe in nine years, they voted for John Silver, and he uh, he wholeheartedly accepted. <laughs> We're talking Silver Allen. I'm excited for that. You know, I yeah. actually always enjoy uh, Dark Order now. They are kind of going into this more full-fledged comedy. Like, I kind of want them to be serious. But anytime they're on the screen, I just kind of light up. I'm like, they're so funny. You know what I actually thought was really funny? And I'm not sure if you guys saw this because I know your TNT app kind of, like, frizzed out. They showed it like a, like a graphic of like Darby Allen and like the Dark Order symbol like and Darby Allen's going to verse a Dark Order member next meet uh next week. Let's see who it's going to be. And then they interviewed them. So I thought they were going to build on like the mystery of like oh which Dark Order member and they all just said like uh what about John and they're like yeah John and then they showed another <laughs> graphic literally a minute later saying and Darby's apparently going to verse John Silver. And I was dying. I was just like they just did that randomly for like a minute just so they could just add his face in. And that's John Silver's no. and that it's gonna be a good match. Darby versus John Silver. That's gonna be like an underratedly like low key good match. So I I love to talk about going to see CZW and random like New Jersey skating rinks. Actually, the Flyers skate zone. Um, and I saw a Private Party versus the um, oh gosh, what was uh John Silver? Yeah, the Beaver Boys. Beaver versus Boys. The Beaver Boys. And I'll never forget. I was like wow that was really good those guys are probably going to be real wrestlers one day and sure enough they're now professional wrestlers like on national tv so uh, i love it yeah so good good for like, john silver and i, like I actually think this was a good use of negative one like yeah. him coming out like and I, I know we talked about that before and i know it's a touchy subject but this was this was like i thought really like a solid use and it's cute and it's cool and it's also like nobody feels bad about it it was appropriate i actually agree with uh with all of that because i i i'm the probably the most critical of using negative one mm-hmm. i thought this was for, for whatever reason when they're backstage it it strikes me as less like oh my god I'm exploitative yeah right yeah and it was just cute that he was like, ah, oh, come on, let me add them. And they're like, all right, kid, not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were just like, what about John? Like, that, like they're, su- they're such good friends that they're not like, I want to be the one. I want to be the one. They're like, uh, John could do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, anyone, which member of Dark Order would you want to see Darby Allen? They know the fans. We all want to see John Silver versus him. That match is going to be awesome. And yeah. It's a perfect um, next opponent for Darby, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. It's like that. Darby's going to win, but it's a good one off match. Yeah, but Quack's like hit the nail on the head there. It's like it's like an uber indie like type of match. Like you know what I mean. Like it's it's going to be good. Everyone's going to be excited. Like no one maybe not no no one will know who they really are just because they're not really like major superstars. But it's going to be good. But also like Darby being I said earlier the TNT champion for 150 days and we've been like holy cow that's a really long time. Yeah. But that's who should be. He is the TNT champion. Yeah. He is yeah. the guy that is like, I mean, Cody is a good example of someone. Brody Lee was a good example too. Like, those are the kind of people you want to be your TNT champion. Like, they're doing a great job of that. And yeah, and Darby should hold it. And if Johnny, <laughs> yeah, John Silver, Johnny Hungies wins, like, he'd be fine too. Like, maybe that's like the TNT, like, adult swim champion somehow. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> He'd be perfect for that. But quick, no, it'll still be Darby. Yeah. Quick, quick question. Eric. Uh, over under how many times JR is going to say Johnny Hungy during the match? I'm saying two. I'm, I'm putting the over under at two and a half. Two and a half. Over. I'm taking the over. <laughs> We're taking the I'm over. I'm taking the over so hard. She's only 98 pounds. <laughs> We're going to come back next week. Keep an eye out because he – Keep an ear out because he usually says it twice. I feel like so if two and a half, I'm gonna say he says it twice. Dude, yeah, yeah, I'm, he's gonna say something about him being like short but powerful. <laughs> when when John when John Silver is gonna get like his like like major like comeback, whatever when he gets hot or whatever, you know, Jr's gonna be like, oh, here comes Johnny Hungy, and he'll say it like three times. <laughs> All right, Sharp, you gotta tell you gotta tell the people that we did not talk about the main event or text about it at all. You did a very good job. All right. So in the first ever women's AEW Dynamite main event, Thunder Rosa defeated Britt Baker in a lights out match after a Thunder driver off the ring apron through a table. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about every individual crazy spot, but we saw chairs, ladders, and they brought out the thumbtacks, baby. Uh, Both women bled, but Britt Baker, that wasn't even bleeding. That was gushing blood. Absolutely drenched. I'll start. Uh, AEW's women's division has a lot of criticism, and I, th- I think rightfully so. Uh, I think it's getting better. But in a spot where these women needed to knock it out of the park, they did that. And then some. this was an absolute fucking wild match. It was great. And this is not just being like, oh, because it's women, like, this is one of the best main events. I thought this was one of the best main events in Dynamite history. Yes. And some people, granted, some people don't like this match. They do a little too much of it, which, again, I I say this a lot. When you do crazy matches so often, it takes away from the, the how wild they can get. But even if you hate this type of match, you can't deny how hard these girls worked. Uh, I I just thought it was phenomenal. I thought the right person went over too. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quags, what do you think? So, man, I thought everything was awesome. The thumbtack spots I thought were so good. Um, that really got it over for me. Um, but the thing that really 
made me uh, love it was the fact that that ladder spot that Thunder Rosa did with Britt, she didn't quite get there off the ropes and she still slammed Britt's body into the ladder where I was like, that's really what you would do, right? Yeah. So like, mm -hmm. so her like their jump didn't quite get there but she made sure to get like Britt's body on the ladder and over and man I was like when I saw the replay of that and they showed it three times whatever and it was like it wasn't sloppy it was really like yo this is this is almost seemed real like they were so committed to putting on a match like this yeah it was so over for me like um I can nitpick this match, but I would really rather not. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love, I love Thunder Rosa and Britt. I think that last week I said with that six women tag match, like, why don't we just have Britt versus Thunder Rosa? Oh yeah, who said that? <laughs> and yeah, and thank God they gave it to us. And yeah, they delivered. It was awesome. <laughs> so happy. Watching this match, so so I missed. Uh, dynamite last night so i watched dynamite today well i was at work like randomly um throughout the day and this is the one thing like i couldn't turn away i was like putting meetings on mute so i could watch this uh, the rest of this match and um tps reports yeah i was putting my tps reports on hold uh to watch this because i was like once it once it was going i was like oh my gosh are they really doing this stuff it was wild it's so good yeah, this was an amazing match. You guys said everything that needed to be said. Just this absolutely needed to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. Their women's division was floundering. I could say every cliche that there is saying, oh, they, they threw a Hail Mary. They knocked out of the park. It got it. Everything that happened absolutely happened. And it's good that this main event was like one of their best, not because they're just women, but just let alone just talking about matches. This is definitely one of the best um so like this would be interesting to see like where they go now from here uh i would say strike 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 now no more clusters of randomness it's like what we were joking about before quags last week about like why didn't they just do thunder rosa and baker and look what happened now they have literally one of the best tv main events that they ever had they gotta keep doing that they gotta build background they gotta build stories like we knew like it wasn't random to me i knew who thunder rosa was i knew who Britt baker was i and I knew why they were feuding and why they're going to, and why they had to have this match. And I was kind of shocked. I'm like, oh, this is the main event. Okay. And then I'm like, this definitely had to be the main event. I would actually have been really remiss if it was like in the middle of the show or whatever. But man, like, so I was going to ask you guys, do you think this is like a turning of the new leaf of their women's division or? Well, they Thunder Rosa, first of all, if they, they haven't. I, um, I do know. I, I think a part of this match and this is not a, a criticism this still was a hardcore match so it's not typical you're not going to do this every week right. um part of the, the how great this match was was what they were willing to do whereas a viewer you couldn't help but be like jesus christ she's bleeding buckets she's getting specifically Britt baker she's getting thrown in thumbtacks she rolled back into the thumbtacks and then she got like a, a tight the thunder driver through a table like onto her neck where i was just like dude this girl's really showing out for you yeah. know the company i don't know i i specifically they're both great but Britt baker from when she started and they were kind of having her as like 
probably the focal point woman where I was like, wow, they really are kind of weak if this is going to be the, the number one uh, female on the show to refining the character, turning her heel, having the great, like, like having her be like an asshole dentist with, with Rebel and Reba. And now having this as like the big, even though she lost, I mean, she, she needed to lose this match. Yeah. It, I put, put her over you. And that uh, real quick, that image of her bleeding, like, like yeah. still mean a lot, like in wrestling, that's classic imagery and whatnot. That's going to be remembered for a long time coming. Yeah. Put on a t-shirt. So, <laughs> so much you can use the blood as, and it doesn't really resonate and it's too much. And, and this was the opposite. Like when Thunder Rosa started bleeding, that was great. And then when Britt started bleeding and Haley started bleeding, like it just added to the match. I agree. Yeah, we can't do this every week. Not not sustainable to have, um, you know, that kind of match. But this this set a new tone. I mean, these two aren't going to compete for the championship necessarily, but. Um, Maybe that's not what they want. Maybe they want to be able to create that second level feud where someone else can come in or whatever. But uh, yeah, Shark, to your point, like shout out to Britt. Like she took some bumps, man. Like to take that thumbtack bump and then to take the final bump. Because I thought after she took the, the bump on the tax, I thought uh, that she was going to win. Like she was gonna put Thunder Rosa through the table and be able to pin her, and then to not do that was impressive. I mean, just as a wrestler, but also as a viewer, I was like, okay, like clearly they're clearly they're putting Thunder Rosa over. Like, yeah, builds good yeah, stories. Yeah, it was awesome. I, whole match, like, man, it builds right. good. the spots like the the chair ladder chair like all that stuff every time i kept writing like in my notes like wow that was a great spot Wait, oh, that was a flowed great well it wasn't just like clunky like they did at the pay-per-view yeah. it flowed yeah. correctly build 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 and i was like exactly and under rosa kicking out of the like the glove thing like that's yeah. Yeah. like that no one's done that, right? Like that was great. Yeah, the lockjaw. Like an old lockjaw. Lock <laughs> Hopefully right, this revamps so, everything, man. Hopefully this it turns a new leaf for their women's division because it was floundering. Jumping ahead, I'm I'm guessing that uh I mean this is the end of the show. I'm guessing this is all a rocket of the night. Yeah, yeah it's safe to say. You know, yeah, for sure. And Fine. like Rocket of the Night, not saying that like everything else was bad. And it was like this was a well-deserved Rocket of the Night. You had you had great matches. Uh you yeah. had uh the Pinnacle debut. To be honest, I probably would have chose the Pinnacle if Britt Baker Thunder Rosa wasn't on this car and if it was just some other something random. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, oh, this was just the best out of the worst. This was a very, very good main event that they definitely deserve to get pushed going forward. So, Chris, what was your anchor of the night? Uh, the anchor, I feel like I always choose the Sting promo. <laughs> and, like, I'm worried that if I keep choosing that, then I'm just going to, like, become. No, no. I mean, well, no, because I'm giving them flack. 
that they're becoming so predictable that they do it every week. And then it's like all joke to me that like, oh, Chris, what's your anchor of the night? And then I become predictable and I do the same thing every night. Like I'm joining in on the monotony of them doing the promo constantly. And now they're bringing me into it yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting frustrated. But yeah, it's probably that. The Sting promo, it's just like, it, it gets a little silly at the time or whatever. Uh, it, it was like, I, I enjoyed like hearing new people and stuff like so it was just more of the clunkiness even though the Darby part was great like let alone that I didn't find too many like bad things like about the show uh it was just more of just this the idea of the sting thing happening again yeah what about you guys for me it's it's very specific it's Cody selling the shoulder injury like he didn't sell that at all he I mean he did at opportune times but and he would slam Pentagon, like, so, yeah, that's, that's mine. Mine was also the Sting interview, and for me, I didn't even think it was that bad, but I thought the show was really, really good, so mm-hmm. I had to pick something. Um, it was either that or the, I didn't like the Moxley uh, Kingston promo, I thought it was too goofy, but, um, all right, one to ten, I'll go first. I gave this in like an eight and a half. I was almost going to go to a nine. I'll give it an eight and a half out of ten. Quags, what do you think? I'm going to give it a nine. I, I was harsh on last week. I thought they really didn't do so great. But this week, I was compelled the whole time. Um, and, yeah, you know, I really have to get, maybe even give it an extra full point. I was going to say half point, but maybe a whole point for that finale. Like, the main yeah. event. So good. So yeah, I'm gonna say nine. I might have to go with uh, eight and a half. I thought the show was awesome. I think this proves whenever AEW has some wacky, crazy theme, St. Patrick's Day slam or <laughs> Valentine's Day vixen, whatever you want to do. I don't even care. Every time they have a theme show, it's good. They always show out, and I definitely enjoy them doing like theme shows making their tv show dynamite more important and doing their four main pay-per-views over than having 18 diluted pay-per-views like going into it so i thought this was a solid eight and a half and the main event was was amazing so real quick before we leave i just have two points um i think a reason the show was so great was there's almost no comedy if you think about it there was the i guess the, the yeah. dark segment which yeah, wasn't even that. that yeah that's good and i guess moxley and kingston joking with each other other than that that's their which they need to just do that cut down on it less comedy you don't have to not, not have any comedy but the like show we should laugh but no wackiness or like yeah every yeah. segment shouldn't be something where they're playing video games or goofing on each other right. well, you can think like Kenny walking out and putting the chair up like that had all the looks like it was going to be a comedy segment but it, instead it was like ominous and yeah 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 it's good it's like you take it seriously when they take themselves seriously yeah and then my last note was I, <laughs> we got such a kick out of and we love this every week JR cutting and stay tuned for mommy tomb of the oh dragon oh my gosh <laughs> My pitched the idea of doing like a mashup of all like JR cutting to like, and now we're talking central intelligence. And, and then you, and you gotta stay tuned, stick to your seat, folks. We got the mummy. It's just <laughs> like 
it's like you want to add like tidbits like Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa was amazing. You're seeing like Britt Baker like lying on the floor, bloody <laughs> heap or whatever, and then you just oh, hear JR like, and we got the mummy right after the this. Third like, film in the mummy series that everybody hated, but you gotta stay <laughs> tuned. Like, this is this iconic. Job. This is iconic. Like when the thing came up, you know, like the title thing, like AEW, yes. like yeah. <laughs> this is like, man, just say nothing. Say nothing. JR probably knew. He's just like, oh, God, I'm going to look like such an ass, but here is uh, the mummy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, he doesn't have any choice. <laughs> that was hilarious, but that was so, like, just way to just, like, kill, like, the vibe as in, like, whoa, we just watched something amazing. Like, and here's the mummy right after this. <laughs> all right. We all enjoyed St. Patrick's Day Slam. Anyone have anything else to add or? Oh, good. Good show. Have a good one. All right. Later, guys. This was the AEW Dynamite Review. We'll see you next time.